Hey there folks, Alex Lokes here and welcome to Classic Camera Revival. Film photography is not exactly known to be environmentally friendly, but maybe there is ways that we can do. So today we actually have a special guest on the show and he's going to be talking about what he knows and what he does. So let's roll the introduction and we can get right into it. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival coming to you from the Greater Toronto-Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Okay, folks, Alex Lokes here, and I know I've been absent for a month, but I always love to come back, especially when someone actually reaches out to the show, um, like Darren has done. So Darren is here. Um, welcome to the show, Darren. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me here, Alex. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Darren. I run the blog learnfilm.photography, uh, which is all about taking a scientific and eco-conscious approach to developing film. I've um, been running that for the last year or so now, and I've been doing a lot of research into how to make film photography more environmental because, yeah, like these chemicals, they're not the safest for the environment. They're not the best for our skin. They're not the best for a lot of things. But if you take the right approaches, I feel like, well, I know that you can um, make it better. You can make it better for the environment. Okay, fantastic. Um, and yeah, I mean, you take a look on the back of your average Rotenol bottle and it shows pictures of dead fish and trees. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting because one of the best things about film photography is that you can really go right off the deep end and completely take the scientific approach or you can just sort of like get right to that nice middle ground like I like to do or you can just like shoot the film send it to the lab and bother your uncle so how how are you approaching this how are you making this um yeah just tell us about your approach with the chemicals itself is the main thing that I focus on but um you know, just some quick tips for everyone out there. The easiest way to make your film more environmental would be to like bulk roll your film, do things that eliminate some of the packaging. Yeah, with the chemicals, like the main thing to think about when you're developing your own film is that you're disposing the chemicals in the proper way. Like if you, yeah, we are talking about like we're using hydroquinone and metal. I don't know how people how people say it. Like I've only ever read this word, but uh, metal. Yeah, that's about, that's metal. Yeah, that's how Me I pronounce it. Okay. Yeah. Metal and even phenidone, which most people say is uh, environmental film developer. It's actually like, I was looking through the NSDS last night and it's still quite toxic, even though it's used in such low quantities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the stuff that they put into um, Rodinol and um, HC110. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are usually hydroquinone, uh, but phenidone is used in Xtol as well mm -hmm. as uh, the black, white, and green developer by Flick Film. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and um, it's also by EcoPro, their Legacy Pro Ascorbic Acid developer. It's a mm -hmm. phenidone vitamin C compound developer, which is supposed to be the most environmentally friendly. But um, yeah, as soon as you take like a bit of a deeper look into any of these chemicals, they are really quite toxic for the environment. They don't bioaccumulate necessarily, but they are still quite toxic. Like um, I was looking at how much it would take to... Um, yeah, so there's, there's like a few different... Um, standards that they have for when a film or when a chemical is toxic. And one of them is called the predicted no effects concentration, which is, uh, this is the level that like anything below this threshold, there's going to be no effect on the environment 
uh, like based on like background levels that are out there. So I was looking at like, if you had a septic tank, uh, there's like the standards are 1000 to 1,500 gallon tanks, which is about 3,765 liters. So if you look at the amount of hydroquinone that is in a bottle of, of uh, DDX, it would be 0.01 bottles of DDX is enough to surpass that threshold in a thousand liter septic tank. Wow. So that would just be like pouring the uh, stock developer in there. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pouring the stock. Okay. So yeah, you know, that's like, that is, it's less than a single roll of film, a single fill of your Patterson tank. So oh, like, wow. So that's, again, that's just the uh, concentrate that you get in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that, yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, filling up the, uh, doing one regular Patterson tank is 10 times that level. Oh, so like, but so, now people will usually dilute it like a one to four or one to nine. Yeah. Does, yeah. That, does that affect, um, does that affect the toxicity? Yes, it does for sure. Uh, but it's still like, that is, I did that calculation after assuming the dilution. Okay. Yeah. So because with a bottle of DDX, you, um, to develop two rolls of 35 millimeter, it would be one tenth of the bottle. It's usually about a hundred milliliters, assuming the one plus four dilution. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the 500 milliliter. Uh, yeah. 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 And the 500 milliliter tank. Yeah. So yeah, just uh 10% of that tank is enough to surpass the uh, predicted no effect concentration. But you know, like what that actually means is like, it, it's hard to say because, you know, just because there is an effect on the environment doesn't mean that it's harmful in the long run. Okay. And like, from what I've been like, from the research that I've been doing, it's really difficult to know exactly what effect we're having. And on top of that, there's no way to know what effect was had in the making of these chemicals in the first place either. Right. Like we don't know. Yeah. Like we don't know exactly what, like how these chemicals were sourced, where they came from. They all come from petrochemicals unless you're using caffeinol, of course, but yeah. Yeah. So they all come from petrochemicals in one form or another, but yeah, like how exactly was it done? There's usually like some catalysts and other things that are also not harmful for that are also not good for the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) So like the best thing that you can do is just like, yeah. So with developer, it's really hard to know what is the best thing that you can be doing at home to make this environmentally friendly, but if it like putting it in your septic tank, if it was a thousand uh, gallon septic tank, it's hard to know if that's going to be really bad for it in the long run or in the short run. So in those cases, uh, the best advice, um, comes from like, I have a friend who does uh, environmental cleanup. This is where I'm getting like a lot of the information about how to, okay. so like the best way to dispose of these chemicals, if you have a sensitive system, like a septic system at home is to actually, uh, dry it up in cat litter, and then you can dispose of it in the regular waste in the solid waste. Okay. Oh, that's actually um, a lot easier than I thought. Yeah, yeah, because I when I did the research into it, I, I like called up the eco centers in the city. Like I'm in Vancouver right now, okay. so there's a lot of um, yeah, there's a lot of places that are that are like around the industry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's no, a lot. I'm, of- I'm in the GTA, and actually, the uh, local hazardous waste disposal unit is maybe a ten minute drive from where I. It okay. Makes it really easy to. Um, dispose of use fixed yeah so you actually bottle everything up and take them to them yep i save all the um big one liter jugs from my uh, windshield washer fluid okay yeah and does it cost anything to dispose of it there in ontario nope no it's free eh? it's free they they don't want 
right? You have to make it, you have to make it free or people will, if you charge money for it, people will just pour it down the drain. Yeah, exactly. But here in Vancouver, it's not that easy to do it. Um, so I, when I was calling the people to figure this out, what I was going to do with these chemicals, the first place you go is one of those eco centers. Mm-hmm. And like, they just have a list of things that they will take back. So like batteries and uh, soft plastics and things like that. So I called them up and I was like telling them, okay, so I've got a jug, a four liter jug of these chemicals. Can I bring it to you? And like, this girl is just like going down the same list that they have online and just going, uh, 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 she like can't figure out if like I can actually take it to them. So then I ended up having to call the provincial body to figure out how to deal with this. And like that guy was great. The person on the phone was amazing, but he pointed me to three different places to bring used fixer. And all three of them were on the outskirts of town and they only worked from nine to five. Oh. So like somebody like me with like, I'm living downtown. I don't have a car. I have access to vehicles, but you know, being able to actually get there would mean taking time off work. And then I don't know how much I'm going to have to pay, but it's probably not going to be cheap. Oh yeah. So yeah, like at the end of that call, I finally got an answer about how to use like the cat litter, or you can even use dicolite powder. If you're doing oh, okay. it enough, uh, dicolite. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what this is? Yeah. They, um, they use that in uh, garages for, um, like if you get an oil spill or a gas spill, you use that stuff to just uh, to soak it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same stuff. It's cheaper than cat litter, especially if you're doing this more often too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just a silica diatomaceous earth, mm-hmm. which is yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, so you can dispose of both your developer and your fixer in this way too. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. That is actually really good to know. <laughs> um, but no, back to the idea of um, septics and uh, developers and as you mentioned flick films black white and green Mm -hmm. is marketed as being safe for septic systems so what makes it different from ddx other than you're using a 1 to 49 dilution of the concentrate Mm -hmm. instead of one to four yeah so the difference is that phenidone is actually a little bit more toxic than hydroquinone is but it's used in a smaller quantity um so when i was looking at hydro or sorry yeah when i was looking at phenidone uh the same predicted no effect concentration is 0.625 milligrams oh no sorry that's that's the amount of phenidone that's in a developer but it's like it's 62.5 micrograms per liter which is way way smaller yeah okay that makes sense yeah but phenidone breaks down really fast in the environment. And I think that's where they're getting the idea that is more environmental is that as soon as it touches some soil or something, the developer of the phenidone is going to react and it's going to neutralize. Okay. But like, I, it's still really hard to know if we can really trust when somebody is saying that something's environmental. Mm-hmm. And I, I spoke to the guy who runs like film a while back. Um, and he was saying that like also their C41 is more environmentally friendly too than standard uh, C41 kits that you would get. But when I pressed him on this, he just said that they use less chemical, but he couldn't tell me which chemical they used less of. Okay. So well, I know phenidone is occasionally used for uh, color development. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, part of, it's part of that developer pack. Yeah. Is it really? Oh, I, I wasn't yeah. actually aware of that. Yeah. Someone actually left a comment for me on that one. So. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then what else do they use to develop the color? Like what is the, um, what is the coupler that they use to. Oh, that, that I honestly don't know. So 
yeah the chemistry of things is uh, film developing yeah. is still i i mostly do black and white mm-hmm. right i very rarely do color film i just don't have the space to keep that chemistry around for a long period of time and i i i shoot my digital if i want color yeah <laughs> that's fair you probably get a much more accurate color that way anyway oh i hate scanning color <laughs> yeah what are you using to scan um, Epson V700 and just went to Silverfast 9 and okay. it actually and I also have a cool scan 5 and Nikon scan and that actually does a really good job with color right away so yeah okay I can understand why you're disliking color if you're using a scanner like that because you have to mess with the curves so much right oh. <laughs> I know my black and white no problem I have all those curves programmed in Photoshop I can just click done yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought of using a DSLR scanning and using negative lab pro? I don't have the space. Don't have the space. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the V700 takes up a lot of space, but it's, right. it's on the right space. I had it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's not going to happen then. Yeah. And you're in a small place in Toronto or um, just in Toronto? Milton, but yeah. Milton. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect though. Yeah. And you're working at the university, right? Yeah. I work for uh, Sheridan college. Right. Yeah. And do they have a photo department there as well? They do. They've actually been um, film photographer there. They have a full wet dark room. Just really nice, really close ties with the uh, program. That's awesome. Do you get to print in their space? Uh, no, but then again, one of our co-hosts who's not five minutes dark. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. The one nice dark silver mm-hmm. on Fixer, probably all the environment. Mm-hmm. So what makes Fixer worse? Hydroplanet. Yeah, uh, what makes it worse is the silver itself that is stripping from the film. Because what Fixer does is it removes the unexposed silver from the film, right? And silver is a heavy metal uh, that it bioaccumulates. So silver will actually stay in the environment. And like when a fish eats it, the next fish eats it, and it just keeps going up the chain and it's toxic to everything that it touches. Yeah. yeah. And it's also really difficult to get out of the system when it's uh, going through a water treatment plant. So if you pour that down the drain, it is going to end up in the watershed because like you just can't filter it out. You can't fix it the same way that there are systems in place for phenyls, which are hydroquinone and metal Mm -hmm. and phenidone. But yeah, (laughs) fixer is definitely the one that you've got to watch out for. That's, that is the worst for sure. Yeah. At the college at the darkroom, are they actually doing silver recovery there? Yes, they are. Once they started, um, once they started doing a lot more, I mean, originally it was just the art and art history program that used the darkroom, mm-hmm. but now all the first year in the bachelor of photography program, they need to know how to shoot film, develop film and do traditional printing. So they've really upped the use of the darkroom. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's super cool that there's programs out there that are actually working to to do that, yeah. to make you pass on that knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So like one thing with Fixer is you can take that back to a lab. There are a lot of photo labs that will take that chemical, but you have to call them first and see if they're actually willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here in Vancouver, there is a place called the lab that does it, but they they have the same problem that I had with some of the other disposal facilities where they're only open nine to five, Monday to Friday. Right. So they need to take a person out of the shop to go. Yeah. Yeah. So you need, you need to do this during work hours. Like it's mm-hmm. just, you, you can't do it on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's again, that's, what's nice about the, uh, the spot here in Milton is that it is open on Saturdays mm-hmm. and because of the hours of work I have, I can often just uh, 
bring the uh, bottle of fix with me to work and I can drive there on my way home and just drop it off. So, yeah, yeah, that would be such an amazing thing. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I've just had like four or five bottles that are sitting under my sink right now that are just ready to be taken back. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So that talks about, um, that is a lot of what I wanted to say. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions? Um, water usage. Like, I mean, again, we use a lot of water. We use it to mix up fixer either from liquid concentrate or powder. We use water to mix up our stop bath. We use water as stop bath. And of course, washing. Is there any way that we can really start to reduce water? Mm -hmm. So you know how there, um, have you ever actually watched uh, the naked photographer on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, he has an incredible video that shows you how much water you actually need to use to wash your film. So the standard method is you would put a tube into your de developing tank and you would just run it for five minutes. Mm -hmm. and um, Or sometimes even longer, depending on the film, depending on the person, depending on where you're getting this information. Because if you're getting it on like the old forums like Fotrio and places like that, like people tend to extend the times because of their experiences with older film that were much Watch your film for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or longer sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like when you're reading those comments, what they don't say is that like your tap doesn't need to be on full. You can, yeah. you can be rinsing it with like on the lowest setting and you're going to properly wash your film within five minutes. There you go. Yeah. If that's your method, but if you don't have like that kind of system, if you're not using running water, you can use the Ilford wash method, which that is, is that is a method that I used for many years. Mm -hmm. um, then I started using the FPP archival wash mm -hmm. and it basically says like wash your film under running water for a minute, let it sit in the archival wash for a minute and then under running water for a minute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then like, that's like a different chemical that you would put into the film. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, where can people buy that? Um, it's available directly from the film photography project right in their uh, store and it does ship to Canada. Okay. That's huge. That's a big thing for sure. Yeah. They, they ship all their stuff to Canada. It's really only freestyle that you often have problems with uh, shipping liquid from like, I'm, I recently got um, the ADOC Scala developer. Mm -hmm. So black and white reversal. And I ordered it from Germany and they shipped it, but Freestyle won't ship it from the United States. <laughs> yeah, BNH won't even touch that either. You put Canada yeah. on there, like local pickup only, like none of this. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what the Ilford wash or rinse method is, for anyone listening who doesn't know what the Ilford rinse method is, it's just uh, filling up your tank once with water and then agitating it five times doing five rotations of the tank mm -hmm. and then dumping that out and then refilling the tank and agitating for 10 times dumping that water out and filling it once more and agitating 20 times absolutely and i always did it for one extra time up to 40 oh okay yeah so i i always do it one extra time too but i get lazy i always stop at like 10 <laughs> the fourth time around and that's what makes the uh, fpp method so easy you're watching three minutes. yeah and is that chemical uh is it reusable the one that they use for washing? yeah you can usually get about five six rolls of film through okay. it before it before it stops being effective and how do you know how do you know when it um it's actually on the bottle i see okay that's, yeah. so yeah um the folks at fpp did an excellent job test yeah that's great yeah yeah so for you personally 
all these things you've been saying are excellent, but how do you put them into practice? Yeah. So this is the thing is like knowing this information and doing something with it are two different things. And it's it, like, it depends on the person, depends where you're from, depends on your situation. Like there's so many factors to take into consideration when you're doing this, when you're actually uh, trying to make film as environmentally as po- friendly as possible. For me, it's like, I, I don't have space. I'm living in an apartment, so I don't have space where I can put cat litter out and dry my cat. So you know, with the developer, I do actually put it down. That's, that's something that it happens. And I'm sure that happens for a lot of people and whether or not it's really harmful is hard to know, but I'm also living in a big city where they have proper water, but with fixer, I store the fixer in bottles under the sink. And I'm just waiting for the day when I can finally take that back. (laughs) And then as well, I use as little water as possible. Um, I'm always using like bottles of distilled when mixing the chemicals, but the rest of it is yeah, I use as little as possible for rinsing that. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now, how about for you? Well, again, I'm I'm in the same boat. I I make sure that when I am using chemicals, I use incredible. Um, I use very dilute. So my Ilfatec HC, I usually do one to sixty three. So again, very dilute. Um, I have the black and white and green. Um, my stock chemistry, so like ID eleven, um, D seventy six. Once it's exhausted, again, I have this waste disposal. I use my fixer until it's exhausted. I pour it into a second bottle, take it there. Um, again, I use the FPP archival wash, so very little water there as well. And I try to sort of batch develop my films. I will run a batch when I have like three or four rolls. So I just do it all at once. So it kind of helps keep water use down. So I only like mix the archival wash one. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I do my best to recycle. So, so we actually have a really good plastics program here. So the film canisters, the spools can all. Mm-hmm. How do you recycle your film canister? That's a um, big thing. I actually save them. Okay. And then I give them to people who bulk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. For so me. See, yeah. So they see a second. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm always uh, taking apart the canisters because it's, um, if you put those in the waste, like there, like there's nobody, no waste disposal company that has the time to take it apart and separate the plastic out from the metal. Mm. So I always take the metal piece off and put that in the metal recycling. And then the plastic pieces are made of PET, which is actually a recyclable plastic in Canada. Fantastic. Yeah. And then, uh, with the little, um, the containers that 35 millimeter film comes in, the top part of that is not recyclable, but the bottom part, the bigger part of it is recyclable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the, um, the resin coating, the resin numbers that are on the plastic. So one and two are usually recyclable three, four, right. five, six, and seven are not. And I guess it also depends on the type of canister. Yeah. This one, which is Ilford has a number four on, on the, the top, top and a number two on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same for all the ones that I've seen so far. Except okay. for, of course, um, the Easy 400 that uh, Ribsy makes and the Street Candy yes. ones. Yeah, yeah. And truly unfortunate about Street Candy uh, shutting down. Yes, yeah, I saw the news. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible to lose another person who's working on this, mm-hmm. getting film alive. Hopefully, hopefully he can pass on the information about the emulsion and someone can carry on that legacy. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of people that would love to keep doing that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe pass it on to uh, Bellamy Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or Stephen Dowling. Mm-hmm. 
definitely. I'm sure Steven's looking for another project now that uh, Agent Shadow just, he just got it filled up, right? Yes, that that is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Anything um, else? Yeah. Yeah. So we did, um, yeah, Black, White, and Green. That is like my favorite developer these days. I've been using that for quite a while now. Like every single role of Black and White film is that one. Mm-hmm. Just because like, it is the perfect developer for someone like me because of the shelf life of it. And like, I think that's another thing that makes some, makes it more environmentally friendly is yeah. if a chemical has a longer shelf life, you're less likely to just dump the dump it down the drain and waste it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one has like the basically unlimited shelf life in the kind of the old HC 110 kind of style liquid. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, I was doing some, some looking and had a few people comment about it and it's actually a newer formulation of pct right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i'm like oh so it's new on the market but it's not a new developer that's that's pretty cool (laughs) but nobody has like commercially developed this even though it's something people were making in their basements forever right exactly (laughs) so that's that's what really makes it great and yeah the folks at flick film they've been and they've just come out with a d19 oh yeah which is, oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, they, they just recently announced that. So that'll be another uh, developer to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited to see like these companies that are popping up and building more of these chemicals because like it's so sad that Kodak wasn't or hasn't been able to produce a good supply of these chemicals lately. Well, that's what you get when you uh, start knocking stuff down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that they had too much choice, right? Yeah, but it's it seems like it's a really exciting time for film developers and mm-hmm. most like mostly because like people are considering the environment a lot more than they did in the past. So I think we're going to find a lot more environmentally friendly formulations coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like there's uh, those guys in Ontario that are making the caffeinol, one that you can buy in like. Um, yes. Have you yes. where, where, where was that from? Was that Brantford? Yeah. <laughs> I, forget. I would prefer to get my caffeinol from the FPP. They just came out with their cup of joe. And oh, yeah. It actually does a really good job. So, how is it in terms of contrast? Um, pretty heavy on contrast, but it also depends on the film. I got pretty heavy contrast across two. Mm-hmm. Nice results with uh, Fomapan 100. Okay. Silberapan overexposed it by a stock really helped knock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, like caffeinol developers do. And always end up being a little bit more high contrast than standard developers. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's really ever want to, to pull that, to overexpose that film, help knock. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's good advice for sure. Yeah. If ever someone is able to make a caffeinol that can like uh, have some lower contrast results, I'll buy all of it. <laughs> absolutely. It might smell, smell bad, but it works. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so yeah. Do you have any other questions? No, no. Actually, this was a really good episode, Darren. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Nice and short. Um, just a nice little, uh, just a nice little thing for uh, folks to start thinking about in their uh, developing. So again, thank you so much for Darren, um, to Darren, for joining us. And it just really shows that if you have an idea or a topic or something that you're passionate about, feel free to reach out for uh, to us. Um, we're always looking for uh, new people to come on the show. We love people who just enjoy photography in every form and in every way. Um, yeah, you can reach out to us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, email. 
I check these things on the regular, I will usually get back to you within at least one business day or uh, one day. So Darren, thank you again. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on the show. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And um, to everyone else out there, get out there, stay safe, make something cool happen.